you're listening to Venture Vignettes, a podcast that features trailblazers in entrepreneurship, investment, and innovation. I'm your host, Rihanna Shah, recording from Stanford, California. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Hello, everyone. Today, we're speaking with Paula Marivala, an alumnus of Stanford University. Paula brings over 20 years of entrepreneurial and operational experience with technology companies in the United States and in India. In her role as executive director since inception of Seed Fund, one of India's first venture capital companies, Paula has been actively involved with the entrepreneurial ecosystem in India to source, evaluate, and mentor early-stage companies. Her focus is on education, healthcare, and technology, and she works closely with portfolio companies to take them to their next stage of growth. She's currently a director on the board of the Hindatron Group, one of India's pioneering technology companies, where she's been responsible for starting and managing the telecom and instrumentation businesses of the group. She's also worked with a ton of other really cool companies and has made over 40 different investments. She's super passionate about the sustainable development goals and has done a ton of impact investing as well and is especially focused on female entrepreneurs in India. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Paula. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. To kick it off, I would love to hear a little bit more about what that process was like to start Seed Fund as one of India's first venture capital groups. Yeah, we started uh, back in 2006, and the entrepreneurial ecosystem in India was, uh, you know, very nascent at the time. And, uh, you know, we saw that there's a lot of good ideas, there are a lot of good problems to be solved and good opportunities. But after the 2000 bust, most of the funds had vanished. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angel funding was at its lowest. Uh, But we thought it was the right time to get in and kickstart. And we did just that. It was uh, not very easy because we were the first ones in that sense at that time. Mm -hmm. But uh, it also became an advantage because we were able to get excellent uh, LPs to join us. Everyone was curious to see how the ecosystem develops in India. So, you know, as a first mover, you have that advantage of the freshness. Uh, You also have the sort of challenge of being the first one. So you had to do a lot of groundwork. Uh, We had large deal flow, not all very high quality because we didn't have a vibrant enough ecosystem with role models of successful entrepreneurs, uh, you know, who would inspire many. So, you know, we had pretty raw ideas at the time. Entrepreneurs didn't really understand what venture investing was all about, Mm -hmm. that you actually give away a part of your company and that you have to give returns. So we had to do a lot of education. We had to do a lot of communication. So it was really fun to build it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as an early first mover, um, we did get to reap some good harvest of good young blood. And that was (laughs) the best part, I think. That's really cool. And so what were some of the first things that you did as you were starting it out, right? Because a lot of it is you have to be able to establish credibility within the country and within the entrepreneurial ecosystem at large, as well as get a lot of traction and just have people know about you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things that I personally did was to visit all the top colleges, particularly engineering colleges, and some of them had incubators even at the time. Mm-hmm. We wanted to understand what is it that the young people are thinking? What kind of problems are they getting excited by? So I visited all the IITs and their incubators. We attended lots of events. Uh, we did a lot of outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we created uh, pitch pitching events. Mm-hmm. We took part in business plan competitions mm-hmm. at very grassroots level as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we tried to have 
like mixers mm-hmm. uh, to invite other investors to have you know other entrepreneurs even people from the business community to yeah. see uh, you know what opportunities are there so we did try to to go beyond just calling people to pitch to us i yeah. really wanted to do a good outreach mm-hmm. a vibrant ecosystem is the first requirement for a good deal flow for a vc yeah definitely also for good deals to start mm-hmm. with but also to get good exits yeah definitely so uh, we really enjoyed doing that first couple of years we definitely did a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, we tried to meet uh, get entrepreneurs to meet each other mm-hmm. uh, and share all their challenges um, you know and share what's working what's not working and that we made that an annual feature where we would gather all our portfolio companies but mm-hmm. also invite a lot of other entrepreneurs as well as investors yeah and to understand what is it that we can do as investors as experienced entrepreneurs from india and also we connected with the government to push good regulations to uh, you know encourage startups uh, you know we, you know india is full of regulations and bureaucracy yeah it's so difficult to start mm-hmm. a company so we worked with the government and you know yeah. we found response at some time and recently the government has gone out of its way to mm-hmm. give uh, you know sops you know really encourage uh, entrepreneurs and investors okay. to invest as well as uh, make it easy for startups to you know limit the compliance not keep it on the same level as large companies mm-hmm. so as the early movers we try to influence some of this uh, you know back in the day as well yeah that's super cool it's really interesting that you ended up approaching some of the iits first and and for our listeners who don't know what the iits are they're like the harvard of india but multiple different schools stanford. or the stanford of <laughs> india sorry yes uh, the stanford of india and they're just all over the country and there's many different um many different almost like franchises of sorts although they're not really franchises so would love to hear a little bit more about the indian entrepreneurial ecosystem right so let's switch to talking a bit about what did those government regulations look like starting out because india has had a very interesting economic history and economic past right where there were uh, many reforms that had happened that had really sort of made india very inward looking and india went through like a rough patch in the 80s and 90s around that and india has become much more open to getting foreign direct investment as well as getting just much more external investment from various companies so how has that impacted the ecosystem so how have you sort of seen a change from when you started seed fund yeah so when we started seed fund and even before that i mean india is famous for its complex laws mm-hmm. so even to just start a company you needed so many Uh, approvals from the government mm-hmm. government now has made since the last 2 years there's a one window clearance for starting hmm. a company uh, and they've classified startups mm-hmm. if you come under the definition of a startup it's really easy mm-hmm. uh, to actually register yourself as a company hmm. um navigating the tax base navigating the various compliances around um you know whether it's a registrar of companies or for with the revenue with the IT department the uh, income tax department yeah. um the company law board it was just a nightmare yeah uh, i mean it still is yeah uh, but i think there's an effort to simplify so people were reluctant to start the biggest requirement of a vibrant startup system is the ability to fail Mm-hmm. Now, not only is it culturally very difficult to fail, and it was more so, you know, when we started in the early yeah. days, but technically, legally, to close a company is almost impossible wow. because of the labor laws and the company laws. Mm-hmm. It's extremely difficult to close down a company, and mm-hmm. as you know, 
the first one oh one of VC yeah. is some of them are going to die. Yeah. So some companies have to shut down. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big challenge uh, that even we as, uh, you know, VCs, as an in- institutional VCs fa- uh, uh, faced. Hmm. And even today, you know, as angel investors, if a company is not going anywhere, to wrap up that company is not mm-hmm. easy. Hmm. So, uh, you know, these are some of the things which definitely deter people yeah. from investing in startups. Um, also, regulations around being on boards of companies, the kind of liabilities you have yeah. are huge. So, yeah. you know, as a VC, you want to be on the board of a company and direct it, uh, you know, not only have it go through rough times, but also to be there to guide them when they're scaling up substantially. Yeah. Uh, some of these issues, you know, really were particularly for in individual angels. It was didn't look very attractive. Yeah. Why would you stake your, you know, personal life and liabilities and so on for a company which may or may not do well. It won't, you know, maybe, you know, down to shut it down. It's really risk averse, right? It's really risk averse. And also, you know, you have to trust the entrepreneur, right? The entrepreneur has to trust you. Yeah. Uh, And then there are all these regulations. Mm -hmm. So all that whole cocktail Mm -hmm. is not simple. Uh, Fortunately, I think nothing succeeds like success, right? We've had some good companies, Indian companies, homegrown companies who have raised capital from India or from VCs in India and abroad mm-hmm. and scaled and are now today role models. Yeah. And the government is taking notice that these are companies which are changing India. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at uh, Flipkart, which is the e-commerce giant in India, yeah. it's given access for products to people in remote areas. Um, there are people who can afford it. Uh, to buy, you know, for example, a good pair of running shoes. Uh, it was not available there. Hmm. And, you know, they have to go to a city, you know, travel. And, you know, it's difficult. It's expensive. Now all they do is, you know, click on the Flipkart app and uh, they have it at their doors. Uh, payments. I mean, Paytm has changed the way people are spending money. Um, small merchants are able to take Paytm payments. So the issue of collection becomes irrelevant, which has been a big burden for small businesses. There is a lot of lending companies now, micro lending, mm-hmm. using the power of uh, technology, giving credit to small merchants mm-hmm. or to spenders who are, you know, never had credit before. So all this is definitely uh, impacting the way Indians are living. It's yeah. impacting their lives. It's giving them better opportunities. So I think the government has definitely taken note. Angels have gotten excited because yeah. there are opportunities not only to make money, but to actually see impact with your money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to see changes happen, mm-hmm. right? You see new business models emerge, creating a whole new generation of um, entrepreneurs. So I think it's, the excitement is there. Yeah. We still have to navigate a bunch of complex laws and uh, regulations. It's not going to go away in a hurry. Uh, you know, we have a legacy of 200 plus years. Yeah, and the bureaucracy the is always constitution there. in the world. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we yeah. have all of that. But I think amongst all that, there mm-hmm. are a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And one thing that has now changed is people's approach to a failure and B, to collaboration. Uh, both of these were not the best of the traits for Indian, uh, you know, in the business ecosystem of India. Yeah. Failure particularly socially, culturally, mm-hmm. academically is looked not very positively at, yeah. right? Um, if you are in high school and 
you don't do well mm-hmm. and you fail, it's a big taboo for the whole family. Uh, if you have become an entrepreneur and you can't raise money and you fail, it's a social taboo. Yeah. Actually, very interestingly, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a story here. Yeah, please. Uh, back in, I think, 2007, mm-hmm. we had a very interesting company that we had funded. Uh, the two boys were from IIT. They mm-hmm. were young, 26 or so. And uh, one of them was going to get married. And one day I get a call. It was his uh, future (laughs) father-in-law. And he says, uh, I looked you up. uh, You know, I found your details from the register of companies, (laughs) not even online. And I found that uh, you have given so much money to my future son-in-law. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I don't want to marry my daughter to somebody who has so much debt. Yeah. So they didn't even understand Mm. that VC money is firstly equity. Yeah. And he was mortified that what if it fails? Yeah. And he says, you know, I have told him I will only give him my daughter if he quits and goes back to, he had a great job with, I don't know, Intel or something. So he has to go back to his service, to his job. And, uh, you know, it's very risky, Mm -hmm. this uh, thing, what he's doing. And please take your money back. Come to, you know, fast forward to today, people will happily say that, you know, my son-in-law He's an entrepreneur. He's a startup guy. Yeah. So there is a change coming mm. slowly. But um, the still, when uh, so any of my companies where entrepreneurs, they st- or every entrepreneur starts with great amount of passion, with great amount of commitment, mm-hmm. and of course with a vision to succeed and yeah. scale and become the next Google. When they fail, it's extremely difficult for them yeah. because there is no ecosystem of support. Um I have counseled so many of them and mm-hmm. they really go through a really, really tough time. Definitely. And it's not just the financial part. Mm-hmm. As you know, in India, mostly the parents, whatever their ability, they will mm-hmm. support uh, you know, their, their uh, children, yeah. whether they fail or not. But the social stigma is humongous. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's also within their peer group, right? Within other peers, um, you, it's not easy to say, I did a startup and I failed. I did a startup and I raised so much money. Mm-hmm. That's the right phrase for them. Yeah. So it's been, it's hard. Um, but I see that changing because yeah. now we have what are called serial entrepreneurs. So the nomenclature has say, uh, yeah. changed and that's sort of, it's motivating youngsters to take the risk that is required. Yeah. Hmm. And it's unless we take the risk, we will not uh, view problems differently. We will not yeah solve problems differently. Right. And I like to tell my entrepreneurs, let's look at solving. Let's not create new problems. We have enough in India. Yeah. And every problem is, you know, it can be an opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Of course, it's a rough journey. It's mm. by no means uh, mm. easy. Raising funds in India is definitely more difficult than here. Getting teams, um, whether it's tech team, whether mm. it's senior management, it's very, very, very difficult because uh, critical mass is just almost being reached now. So yeah. now I think we can, uh, you know, have people who are experienced in scaling companies, uh, you know, in new economy or in new business models. So there is now maybe a critical pool of people available. There are a lot of associations like Thai and so on, which can, uh, you know, support these kind of uh, new initiatives and so on. Yeah. So it's it's vibrancy is there now, I think. Yeah, that's excellent. Speaking of social taboos and just sort of the idea of changing culture, right? What are some examples that you have of women in entrepreneurship and how do you feel like that has changed over time in India? 
Well, we still don't have enough women in entrepreneurship or as investors. I think mm-hmm. it's probably same here as well, but the numbers yeah. are different. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember every woman who has pitched to me. I must have, you know, I've seen five thousand plans, hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs I've met, because there are such few women who've pitched to me yeah. personally. Hmm. And we are a fund with two women. Yeah. Uh, in spite of that, we've had very, very few women uh, mm-hmm. come up to really pitch to us. uh we see a lot more women now many of them who are women who have either worked in senior roles and have now decided to start or women who have uh, come back to india mm-hmm. much like so many others who are coming back to india mm-hmm. so they do come armed with some experience and so on yeah. there are women entrepreneurs in india but yeah. i think very few women are thinking big and uh, we had an initiative called um, tai stri shakti where we wanted to uh, encourage and motivate uh, women <laughs> to really think big and uh, you know it was pretty successful we need women role models as well as investors as entrepreneurs who are now emerging and we do have some good i have four entrepreneurs in our stanford alumni community who mm-hmm. have i mean we have many but who have recently raised large amounts and have scaled very well yeah. so we have now examples of women mm-hmm. uh in my portfolio i have about five six women entrepreneurs yeah. I have to say the women entrepreneurs who I have supported or whom I know extremely committed they have challenges of course mm-hmm. uh they're you know straddling not only uh, their own personal challenges but the ecosystem mm-hmm. uh it is definitely harder for a woman to raise funds yeah. um they are not as comfortable going to it's a very alpha male world the investing yeah. world so it definitely is Uh, and it's also about networking. I have a friend who is a uh, now working in a large VC firm, and mm-hmm. you know there are all these breaks uh, that the guys take, smoking breaks, right? Yeah. And and they go for beers, and it's hard for her to be included there. Yeah. So you know this whole networking thing is where a lot of this investing, a lot of these um, idea sharing happens, and women are not there yeah. in that part. No, so that it's definitely. you know you see it here as well but imagine mm-hmm. in india where it you know the worlds are not so integrated for male and female so it's much harder um i think the women who are doing uh, mm-hmm. what they're doing you know building large companies they're doing a very good job uh, i have a, an entrepreneur who's building a chain of uh, hotels in mm-hmm. uh, in remote areas so mm-hmm. they take small a village home or a small hotel being mm-hmm. run uh, in a remote mountain area or by the coast or whatever mm-hmm. and they brand it and scale mm-hmm. it now you have to understand the culture of the region you go to and i fe- feel that between in the team the woman entrepreneur she's just able to get it she's mm-hmm. able to communicate she's able to really not just put the cookie cutter approach able to understand that i have another yeah. entrepreneur who's fantastic mm-hmm. she works with rural um last mile access issues mm-hmm. and right now she's selling access, uh, energy products in rural rajasthan very patriarchal society but very innovatively she's using the women to scale her business she's got 1000 women entrepreneurs whom she's calling solar sahelis to sell solar products saheli means a friend and women really can influence a decision of of a household and she's used it very effectively um and you know giving money in the hands of a woman actually really impacts the whole family giving an energy product in the hands of a woman actually impacts how the community lives so i think they are very innovative they're very you know i have to say they're robust uh, they don't uh, you know they yeah. have the what it takes it's pretty steely always so, fun to to hear about badass yeah. women yeah yeah <laughs> that's that. awesome yeah, yeah. 
What are some other examples of entrepreneurs you've seen who are solving specific problems, right? So I feel like a lot of times entrepreneurs are inspired by the issues that they face. And as someone who grew up in India, I know that there can be like 10 different things yeah. that I experience in one day where I'm like, this could have gone better. This could have gone better. So how have you seen entrepreneurs turn those experiences into companies? Oh, yeah. So I think some of my most successful entrepreneurs are uh, those who started a company based on a pain point that they had experienced deeply. Mm-hmm. So one of the earliest companies we invested in a company called Red Bus back in 2006 and where mobile penetration, uh, data penetration was not as much as it is now. It was just beginning, internet penetration mm-hmm. was just beginning. Um, and, you know, these were a bunch of engineers from another very well-known engineering college called Bitspilani and they were working in Bangalore at Texas Instruments as software mm-hmm. engineers. And they were from small towns around Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And the only mode of transport to reach there was through uh, the buses, you know, the intercity bus, mm-hmm. which is typically a state bus uh, run by the states or private operators. Mm-hmm. And it was just a pain for them to get tickets. So they couldn't predict, they couldn't tell their families whether they could come home mm-hmm. that weekend or not. And the railways had started, um, which is a government body, uh, selling tickets online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very successful. So they said, you know, we are tech guys. We have this really painful problem mm-hmm. uh, that we go to the bus depots and, you know, we have to hustle and haggle and we still don't get tickets. We have to, you know, put some money under the table to get. Let's make this transparent. Let's yeah. use technology to do it. So they started, they made a little software where they could, uh, you know, sell tickets. But the problem was, where do you get inventory? You had yeah. to get it from these bus operators who were, you know, very small guys and they're not used to tech. They're like early yeah. guys, right? So, uh, but they worked on the ground because they really were conscious of the problem. They understood all aspects of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the first thing was to get the bus operator to believe in your software, to believe that you will actually help them sell tickets and they'll have a better margin. So um, they'll have predictability and the consumers will have transparency and yeah. again, predictability. So they really worked hard on mm-hmm. the ground Um, I mean, the software was great. The technology mm-hmm. was great. But I think it was more than technology. It was really understanding all aspects of the problem that mm-hmm. they were solving. Uh, and the key stakeholders, the bus operator and the consumer who was going to sit on the bus, yeah. they were completely consumed by these two. So the technology was built. They launched and they tried to get inventory. They would get a couple of seats from different operators. Mm-hmm. The day they did 100 tickets, we celebrated today. I think they're doing, and we've exited now, but I think they do more than 100,000 tickets a day. Wow. So it really changed uh, the way bus travel happens in India. And yeah. it's grown really scaled humongously. It's all over India now. The company got acquired by a larger company, Naspers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's really impacted uh, so many people who first sometimes never even traveled by bus are now because of the you know, ease at which with which they can uh, get the tickets and the bus operators feel better and more empowered. So it's really a use of technology to solve a very obvious problem. Uh, so after that, actually, a lot of people have used this model of aggregation. Hmm. India has a very fragmented model. Bus operators were a fragmented model, right? Yeah. So you're aggregating them. Somebody is aggregating small shops, mm-hmm. um, small uh, grocery shops. Um, and they've created this company where you can buy groceries online uh, by aggregating. So you've not disturbed the the supply chain, but yeah. you've aggregated. Mm. So uh, aggregation using technology, giving a good 
and transparent consumer experience and giving better margins mm-hmm. uh, you know to the smaller guys giving scale yeah. giving access yeah um, you know those are some of the good examples there's another company which is aggregated um, you know craftsmen from remote parts and they have a excellent platform and sitting here in the US you want to buy a specific painting a specific um, embroidery you go to their site and they've aggregated mm-hmm. and these people are now getting so much more revenue yeah than they ever could and the middleman is cut off yeah it's about um, access right it's about it's access, like so exactly. many more people can access yeah. something that otherwise was yeah. fairly limited which expands their market as yeah. well as yeah. expands the availability right. of, of art right. and in a complex geography in a complex society like india uh, you know there are good opportunities um, you know to really do this. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's very very um that's very neat to hear. Mm-hmm. How would you say the sustainable development goals are something that are sort of inspiring it, right? It's like I I know that you're involved with both Stanford Angels Entrepreneurs as well as the Stanford Alumni Association as well as some of the work around the SDG platform. So, what are some ways that Indian entrepreneurs are integrating the these goals into the work they're doing? Yes, yeah, so I think clearly uh you know when you start a company in India one is empowerment because like I gave some examples you are empowering people you know by giving them choices giving them access whether I spoke about some of the consumer place but you know if you look at uh, education which is one of the SDGs um using technology so many edtech companies are giving access to students whether it is for their entrance exams whether it is for upping their skills whether it is for uh training teachers and that's completely changing the landscape of how education works how you have remote education possible now uh and very effective you mm-hmm. know earlier one would set up things but with the technology that is there now and a good business model you can actually make sure that assessments are proper and so on so education has been a big one healthcare i mean healthcare has had so many challenges in india and healthcare is again linked to so many other things for example water clean water hygiene all comes back to healthcare another sdg goal um there are some very innovative companies in the area of water which are giving uh, very innovative technologies for purifying waters at the ground level so the communities themselves can adopt and entrepreneurs are doing this definitely with a double uh, you know double line bottom line view mm-hmm. because you can always make money somewhere when you make money like this i think you are impacting you're creating um something very very strong that will change the way generations grow so i know very innovative water company which is providing uh, solutions for clean water for uh, distribution of water mm-hmm. for creating access and there is an iot company which is, again we have funded which works with them to monitor this hmm. so we have data on water quality data on um you know where the leaks are and so on so again that's an sdg goal a yeah. uh, lot of companies for air purification have come up which are again monitoring air mm-hmm. quality giving out information which is again helping with your health yeah definitely and the uh, you know example i gave of my own company which is using women entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh as you know which is clear case of women empowerment yeah definitely and giving energy access so i think every one of the sdgs mm-hmm. is an opportunity and the reason i think um social entrepreneurs play a very key role mm-hmm. in sdgs is you can have a sustainable uh business model which will actually work on solving this issue around uh, either its poverty 
uh, empowerment, women empowerment, uh, uh, water, hygiene, whatever it is. But it'll be it'll spin off so many more layers of uh, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it is um, think tanks around it. Data will be generated, yeah. which will all combine to actually you know help uh, solve some of these issues around SDGs. Yeah. So I think it's a very important role, and I think to push some of these innovations particularly in things like you know rural access or health or education you do need to have uh, innovation which will sustain and it's very hard to do it simply by philanthropy yeah. or simply by the government or simply by advocacy i think you need all of them to come together and i think sometimes when a company scales in a particular sector that will automatically provide all this data it will provide this collaboration so i think it's it's a lot of opportunities um, you know, I think entrepreneurs can seek out. And most entrepreneurs I meet uh, nowadays, the young people, they're very mindful that mm. they want an egalitarian society. Yeah. India is a deeply divided society. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. And some of the challenges we have are because of these divisions, economic, social. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurs, when they go out in the field, they realize that when, you, when they execute on the ground, that these are the challenges. Mm -hmm. If we don't bridge these divides, yeah. uh, we will not have a, a society which is happy, which is efficient, um, and which is affluent. So yeah. I think um, they are also motivated by this. Yeah, definitely. More than just the profits. My last question is, what would you say are some things that folks should be thinking about as they're considering either investing in an emerging economy or starting a business in an emerging economy, right? Because India in many ways feels like a melting pot of so many different problems, thanks to uh, over a billion people all living in one place. Yes, uh, very complex, but very large. Lots of opportunities, lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy country. All emerging economies are dealing with so many mm -hmm. issues. Uh, it's not a flat s system, right? It's it's very layered. Mm -hmm. uh, so one has to navigate through that. So definitely lots of challenges. Execution on the ground is very important. So if you think you're being an entrepreneur in India, be mindful that execution is where the focus should be. Mm -hmm. Technology is only an enabler. Yep. Uh, capital is required. But capital alone doesn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. I think it's a will to execute on mm -hmm. a business model. It's, you know, the ability to be nimble, ability to uh, actually face the challenges and to create opportunities. And I like to tell all my entrepreneurs, let's not create new problems. There are enough problems we can tackle. Yeah. And those are the opportunities we have. Mm -hmm. The government, like I said, has been supportive. We have a good ecosystem now. Mm -hmm. There is capital available. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, when you take capital, you have to be responsible to return mm -hmm. the capital. So you must scale responsibly, mm -hmm. um, build out teams. And I think if you think of all the stakeholders, it can be a huge opportunity. It can be a very fulfilling one. I yeah. think that's uh, the most important thing. And mm -hmm. that can be a big motivator. Yeah. And uh, that can help everybody, right? So yeah. we will see, I think, this ecosystem grow I hope, hopefully in the right direction with the right kind of uh, entrepreneurs and investors. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Paula. That was really excellent. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. To all of our listeners, thanks again for listening to Venture Vignettes, a podcast dedicated to interviews with tech leaders at the forefront of innovation. For questions, comments, or requests, you can always reach me at rihanna at kzsu.stanford.edu. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and definitely leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Rihanna Shah, signing off until next time.